Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Stephen A. Guglich. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely love what the podcast group's doing at this point. I never thought we'd get over, like, 300 people, you know, authors <laughs> and creators in one spot. So cool. Yeah, it's been really awesome. So it was nice to, you know, talk to you and, you know, and be able to get you on and, you know, anytime I can also find somebody on like TikTok or, you know, Twitter or something, it feels like fishing, you know, I like that's right. Wait out there and then, you know, I reel them in and it makes yeah. me feel like I got something, you know, I'm like, ha look at me. Uh, so yeah, it's nice to know that social media is working, you know, at least somewhat for us. So yeah, it feels good to, you know, send out the invite and have people like yourself, you know, take us up on the offer and, you know, allow us to help you, you know, get your, you know, your works out there. So thank you so much for coming today. Uh, we'll start with that first question which was actually given to me by a fan i think way back in season one and it's been a fan favorite uh what has your writing journey been like up until this point oh man my writing journey <laughs> well uh i'm 54 years old now so and I, and I have my first book that just came out uh back in march uh and so my writing journey has been such uh i wouldn't say an uphill battle but it's just been a it's been a series of should I or shouldn't I or can I or can't I type stuff, you know, and it, it really took my wife. Uh, we've been married for 14 or 15 years now. Oh, wow. And and she's the one who really encouraged me to to start writing, to get in there. And so we've been we I should I say we <laughs> because she's been so, so encouraging. Uh, I worked on this for 13 years to, to get oh. Piercing the Veil out um, on March 31st of uh 2023 awesome. so it's been a crazy journey it's been just trying to find time to write and uh raise a family and and work a full-time job yeah, yeah. definitely definitely know that struggle someone asked me <laughs> like how's the writing going i'm like i have a newborn so i'm like <laughs> yes I'm sporadic i'm glad i'm so glad people ask me like well why'd you do all these things ahead of time I'm like well i knew we were having a kid i'm like we planned it you know and i'm like i planned my writing you know as much as i could accordingly so yeah i I give credit to anybody, you know, who has kids, a full-time job, is trying to do anything, you know, other yes. than those two things. I mean, writing, I think, though, in particular, it's like, you know, it's, I think it's, it's just so difficult, right? Because it's almost like, it's draining on a different level, right? You know, and it is, it is, like, it's, it's yeah. definitely, uh, but if I, I find if I don't write, like if I get super busy with everything else, with yep. work and everything, I really get antsy because I got yep. all these stories going on in my head and I'm like, yep. I, I got to find time. I got to do it. So yeah, I, I found the secret is getting up at four o'clock in the morning before everybody else. And I, <laughs> and I write it. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that. Cause I was just talking about that to my buddy. He goes, what's your plan? I was like, getting up at five 30, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Wake, yeah. You know? It works wonders. I tell you, man, it is amazing. <laughs> I mean, the house is quiet. There's yeah. no one bothering you. It's it's, and it's just, you know, it, it's fantastic. I I've done, I've done my best writing, I think, from four to four to five thirty six o'clock in the morning. Well, I, I just I just find it funny because like so many like I, I feel like there's so many authors I know that do that. I mean, I'm a teacher, so like I know, you know, like, um, oh my God, it feels so bad. I'm like, some people's names today. Um, <laughs> oh, um, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to say the person's name because I know I'm going to say their first name and, you know, they have the author name. Um, but I know there's a, one of the teachers that I was talking to. She's an English teacher. And, that's what she does though. Like she gets up at four, like four 30 and she'll write. And then if she keeps going, like she'll dictate in the car 
Um, you know, and then oh. later when she gets home, she'll fix it or the next morning she'll fix it. So I have a pretty long commute. I've actually been work switching around with word, the audio on words, like, okay, it, it won't do the capitals all the time, but it'll, or some of the names will, you know, mess up. Um, but at least it'll do periods. There are other ones like, nice. and stuff. yeah, like I, it's, I'm actually, I've actually finally got it to like work, um, somewhat. So my son will be sleeping and I'll talk, you know, and then if he's sleeping, I'll, I'll fix a little or, you know, so I'm still, I think he, you know, it's always about trying to find that way in that time. Yes. I think a I lot of people though, they, they, they give up too easily. I think personally, yes. you know, and because yeah. it is easy, right. It's a lot easier to, for, you know, for you and me to be like, you know, Oh, we have kids, you know, and yeah. this and that, you know, but it's like, if you really want to do the thing, it's like working out for me. Like I'm like, I don't, I, I have had a problem with my back and mobility issues and I've spent the last two, two and a half years fixing them. And now I'm like at a point where I'm almost back to where I used to be in terms of martial arts shape and stuff. And I'm Ooh. like, I don't want to lose that. So I'm like, I have right. to do at least 30 minutes a day. And I've actually thought about that with writing too. Even if I get 15, 30 minutes a day, you know, let's say it's 150, 200 words, you know, well, you know, there's a lot of authors, you know, who they might only get 2,500 words in a day. But if I can do, you know, just like, you know, two writing sprints, I think writing sprints have saved me the last, you know, last year, year and a half. So I think, yeah, it's all about finding that sweet spot, right? Or what works for you. But, That's right. Yeah. And, and you just got, you got to persevere. You can't, you can't point. let anything uh, get in your way. I mean, you, yeah. you really, we have all that negative self-talk that goes on in our yeah. head and then you have time and then you have everybody vying for your attention. And you just got to say, you got to, I, I got that story in my heart. I got to get it out. And Hey, maybe it's just for you. Maybe you're writing the story for you. Maybe there's, yeah. maybe, maybe you will find an audience out there. Maybe it's just for your family. I mean, you, you've, you've left the legacy. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, for, for your kids. Um, I know there's several authors who did that where they just started out writing a book for, you know, their kids or their wife. Uh, and, and then it turned into something else, but just get that story out. I mean, don't worry about anything else. I'm glad you mentioned legacy. Like for me, like people are like, why, why are you spending so much time and energy? They're like you work really hard at your job. They're like, you're there earlier. You're there later than everybody. They're like, why are you, why do you do this? Why do that? And then you're also trying to write, you're doing a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm like, I think legacy is a good one. I'm like, even if the only thing I show my son and my students is that, oh, I thought of this thing 14 years ago. Here's the product, you know, like that's a huge goal. Even if I never sell a copy, right. Just completing the goal right. to me and that legacy piece, I think is, you know, sure. Do I want to make money off of it and be able to, you know, do this full time or even, you know, really well part-time sure. But I think, yeah, I think you make a good point for, for me, that goal really, I think is legacy, you know, and just showing that, you know, if you want to do something badly enough, you know, you, you will be able to find a way if you want to. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. So that second one for our audience, what genre or genres do you currently write in and why? I mainly write fantasy, but I have lots of ideas for sci-fi. So, you know, I'm, I'm your typical fantasy sci-fi geek, sci-fi nerd. I mean, I, a fantasy nerd. I grew up with it. I, uh, so that's my, uh, that's my jam. I, I enjoy that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll read, I'll read fantasy or, or sci-fi. That's pretty much it. A little bit of historical fiction, a little mm -hmm. bit of Christian fiction or Christian uh, books, but you know, mainly I just, I, I love escape escaping into a good fantasy or sci-fi book. But when mm -hmm. I'm writing fantasy, I, I have this weird pet peeve. If I'm writing fantasy, I only read fantasy because I don't want to be, 
tainted. I want I want the I want the fantasy juices flowing. So I'll yeah. stick to a good fantasy book. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean I've been on a big I get that. I've been on a big fantasy kick lately with writing. Like I switched, took a took a second for my mech warriors sci-fi, which is actually my first sci-fi. And um, you know, I got kind of stuck and I was so into the Kindle Vela like series that I, I was listening again to um Hammer and the Blade series by Paul S. Kemp and I just I loved his two main characters and I highly recommend it for anybody if you are a Fitz Lieber fan um with um Farhad and the Great Mauser. I just love the you know the buddy cop fantasy cool. aspect, you know, and sword and sorcery. So I was like, I want to do that, you know. So I've been on a huge kick <laughs> lately. My friend and I are supposed to read sci-fi. He goes, I guess we're reading more fantasy. I'm like, yeah, I just need to right now, you know. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, it definitely gets the deuces flowing. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so this is actually my favorite question to ask, um, just because, you know, I, I am an author and I love writing. So I love asking other authors, you know, about their books, their babies. Uh, so what is your Veil Saga about and how did you come up with this idea? Oh, that's a great question. And and the Veil Saga comes from the idea, you know, how when you look back into the world, you look through history and through all the different cultures that we have, there's always these stories of myths, legends, magic, enchanted creatures. You know, we get dragons, we get, you know, chimera, you got uh, unicorns, you know, where did all that come from? And why don't we have it now? I mean, now we know, you know, it's like, okay, we know what reality is and we know what fantasy is, but back then they must've believed in some way or that, that those were real. So I kind of got that idea of, or I kind of, the juices started flowing there where, okay, so where, what happened to all that? Where did the magic go? And um, so I started with uh, just playing around with origin stories of different myths and legends and how they would have evolved into our day and time and why they're not here anymore. So that's where I came up with the veil saga. I came up with the idea that, these enchanted creatures, elves and dwarves and gnomes and all that, uh, all, all those, your typical ones, they existed at one time. And I, I just pretty much stuck with all earth uh, and any, any fantasy or, or mythological creatures from, from legend. And, uh, and I just stuck with them. And I, I said, at some point in history, they must've mingled with humans in some way. You know, you look yeah. at the, you look at the old Norse, they have all the tales of the dwarves and, yeah. and, and, and the gnomes or, and you look at these other cultures and they have tales of these. So the idea struck, well, where did they go? What happened? So I came up with the idea that these elves and, and other enchanted creatures, they decided humanity is getting too big for its bridges they're taking over they're starting you know they they won't listen we're trying to get them to 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 act peacefully towards each other and all they want to do is war so what they've done is they decided they're going to hide themselves behind mm -hmm. a veil and that's where the idea comes from so they're just waiting they're they're there in the background just waiting for humanity to kill themselves out and every now and then they pass through the veil to kind of check things out um, i have this tradition that the elves have where it's kind of like a the amish tradition of the ramshpurka oh, where cool. they where they leave and they you know when they get to a certain age they go and they explore yeah. so i have it where the elves do that and uh you know and, that, and that's where all those little ideas come from when you look at history um you know that the uh, the elves and the shoemaker the uh 
the ideas of of uh, leaving, you know, if you, something was missing and then all of a sudden there was something left behind and how did that happen type thing. And uh, I, as I was doing research for this to find all these little stories where humanity was tainted in some way by these fantasy creatures, I came across one of the most fascinating stories I, I, I that that just blew me away. So there was this guy back in the 1600s. He was the, right now to this very day, he's considered the father of modern toxicology. Hmm. He was a doctor, studied all, you know, all that stuff. And he was very well acclaimed. His name was the, uh, the, I can't remember his name, but he changed his name along the way to Dr. Paraclesius. Okay. And all of a sudden, one day he just decided he was going to start investigating these ideas of paranormal experiences or things like that. And the idea, the uh, idea of gnomes came from this guy. Uh, he, he claims that while he was in his workshop one day, uh, these creatures passed through the walls of his, uh, of his shop. And um, he called them nims originally. And the word nims became gnomes. And this is a real guy. This is a noted person who yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the father of modern toxicology and so he wrote all these different uh, he, stories or investigations you know scientific papers about all these different ideas so I, it just blew me away when you do all this research and how these people uh really believed at some point but I gotta wonder about Paraclesius. He was he was a toxicologist, so yeah, I'm yeah, wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if he might have been you know <laughs> sniffing a little bit too much of the stuff that he was investigating. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Started well, to hallucinate, but well, there was still, one, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm totally blanking because it's funny that you mentioned that because I I immediately thought oh, now I'm gonna blank on who the I remember learning about another science like a scientist who had a very similar experience and they were working with lead. And, you know, and they didn't know at the time, right, lead poisoning. So he had maybe that that experience, but he was having some experiences and it turned out he was just had, probably had lead poisoning. So but it's interesting, right? Like, you, I, I, yeah, you know, there's a couple of countries, though, you know, where they, you know, um, they have like the protected now. Oh, my gosh. Like Norway, I think. I think I just saw Norway has like protected fairy rings now, like in. Yes. Parks. Yeah. Like they're like you literally can't touch the trees and. You know, there's certain places in Japan that my friend was telling me that, you know, they have, um, you know, certain, you know, there are certain forests and things that are protected because of, you know, the mythological aspect, you know, and there's yes. all over the world that, you know, like Alaska, you know, they believe in, you know, their, their version of maybe like a, a dugar or, a, you know, a stone dwarf or yep. something like that. And people have claimed to see them, you know, like there was exactly recently. Yeah. Who, yeah. Very credible, like the captain or whatever, like, you know, the head sheriff of this big county and. He was like this creature just ran across the road. Yeah, so to me, I love that stuff. I I originally wanted to be a cryptozoologist. So oh, that's cool. Like that, I just <laughs> love historical mysteries. You know, like I yeah. I think anything like that, like the Lost Legion, whatever, anything. I think it's yeah. just absolutely exactly. Amazing. And and that's what the, that's where all the that's basically that's the framework of the Vale Saga. That's so cool. you know when the you know the the first book tackles some popular myths and legends and, and ideas and uh and thrusts a uh, a guy named jeremy uh into it out of uh who just gets caught up into in, in it and he's just your ordinary average guy uh, or seemingly ordinary average guy mm -hmm. and how he deals with it and um then there's another another main character as well that 
that is gets wrapped up into it and it's it's um it just follows their journey as they they discover more and more about the veil and and what happens uh what's happening behind it that's cool well i like how you answered that because it actually leads me right into the next question um when it comes to world building what do you find most important Oh, I love where I, I consider myself. Uh, I brag about my world building <laughs> skills because I love it. I just I, I, I think it's so important. Um, and when I read other people's stories, that's really the thing that I look for the most. You know, I look for the credibility yeah. in the world building yeah, yeah, because yeah. everything happens for a reason. Yep. Cultures exist because something happened in that culture that led them to believe and act the way that they do. And that's how I tackle my world building. When I was, that's one of the reasons why it took me 13 years to write the Veil Saga, because I rewrote, uh, you know, I took from mythology and legend and I rewrote the culture of all the different enchanted races. You know, what would, what would happen to these, you know, I looked at the Norse and, and, and their stories of the dwarves Mm. and, and what would happen. Okay. So if they're, they're hidden behind this veil for a thousand years, what would their culture evolve into? You know, yeah. and, and so I did all that and I asked, I just kept on asking questions. Why do they do this? Why do they believe what they believe? Uh, if, if they came across this, how would they act? Um, and so I consider myself a deep world builder. I think it's so important. And when I'm reading another book, if I read a book and it's like, that doesn't make any sense, you know, why would they act? You know, why would this so and so do this or why, you know? And the and the world building just you know isn't there. It, it it's a pet peeve for me. It's hard for me to mm. to disbelieve uh, that. So that's why I guess it's so important for me because uh, I I just love to world build. It's fun. But I grew up playing D and D too, so I get to you know my dad was a was my first uh, dungeon master. So he oh that's cool. He did all the 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 um the building the world building and and ideas and all that and stuff. So uh, I just, world building is a big, big uh, part of my writing. I, I, I love world building. I would, same thing. Like I got, there's so many different things. That's why people there like, um, so on Kindle Bella, just so audience knows, like, you, you know, they get copy, it's copyrighted for up to like a year and a half. Mm. Um, so, you know, I can't just, that's why I, I have my own fantasy series and I'm, I've spent 14, I guess not. Well, I'm older now, so I guess now it's <laughs> not 14 years, so. Holy moly, I guess now. So, oh man, it's kind of sad. So 21 years, that <laughs> really quick, Steve, you know. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I guess, well, I'm seven years behind on this, but anyways, for 21 years, <laughs> I did not want them, you know, to control my characters and my world. So I had this other planet set, you know, similar setting. And I was like, oh, it's kind of nice. You know, I have this other planet and, you know, these cool ideas and a little bit different magic systems and stuff. Um, so I thought, well, I'll use this instead, but I got to say, it's, it's been really hard in terms of Kindle Bella. Cause you know, you, you have to give things so quickly. You can't have a lot of exposition. So that personally is for me is a, always a hard one, um, with short stories. Cause you know, my the books, I can take a little bit longer, give at least a little bit more dialogue or something, but that's, that's just for me has been the, one of the things that has to be so quick, but still like, you know, a reader like you, I want to make sure that you're still feeling, you know, the depth of the world. And I found that it's been a, a very welcome and interesting challenge to do, you know, with short, you know, smaller amount of words. Um, but that is one of the things that I worry about in any context of writing, because I absolutely love world building. So I'm yeah. so glad that you 
that you oh, put yeah. that way. So yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. Right? I, I don't just consider like I said, I don't consider myself a world builder. I consider myself a deep world builder because yeah. I go all the way back to the beginning and it and the next series after the Val saga, I'm really looking forward to because that one doesn't take place on Earth. Oh, so cool. I get to uh, I, I have all these ideas that um that I just really get to start from scratch. And yeah, yeah. a lot oh, of it's b- based on stuff that my father uh, wrote and did. Um, oh, that's cool. For some of our role playing, you know, uh, sci fi awesome. role playing, you know, and, and sadly, my my dad passed away uh, about oh, five years ago, so he never got to. um in experience or enjoy uh, any of this but so um but that i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to getting to that deep world building where i get to yeah. start from scratch where it's it's i don't have to do all the research that i taught you know that i i've done to try to evolve you know what it what an, what does an elf in the 21st century act like compared to an elf back in the you know from the origin stories you know that kind of stuff yeah well, that's really, I have to say that's really cool that you're taking, you know, your dad's ideas and speaking of legacy, you know, like, yes, putting them in, that's, that's really cool. So yeah. that's kind of like my friend, he was teasing me. He's like, cause like we're, my son's only three months. So we're getting him like, you know, it, we're getting him certain books and we're getting <laughs> and stuff. And I always, I, my, my mom's teasing me. She's like, you're going to let him pick his religion, but not <laughs> genre. I said, for me, like, I said, I just, I love these things because I, I love the fantasticalism, you know, and yeah, um, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, you know, with, I just, I, I just want him, my son to have a belief in something else, you know, and, you know, just to, there's so many kids I have, I'm like, oh, I'm, I talk about, I joke with them in my classroom about Bigfoot and stuff. And they're like, he's not real. Bigfoot's not real. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you know? You know, and they're right. <laughs> so, you know, they're so, many of them are closed minded to those possibilities and you know the fantasticalism of our world and i'm like we live in a strange world and universe i'm like the fact that you think everything has been discovered i just showed them the coelacan you know 65 million year old fish we thought was gone you know and now it's here you know and i told them like you just gotta have that sense of wonder you know and yes I personally oh think gosh, growing so up, cool. you know what i mean i i just think yes. growing up with fantasy and sci-fi my parents were like both weren't really into it, but my grandfather loved, loved both. And mm. it was more movies, but like, I remember sitting on his knee and, you know, we would watch, you know, <laughs> edited versions, right. Of Conan yeah. the Barbarian. Oh, um, yeah. The second one, Conan the Destroyer was the one that him and I watched all the time. Um, <laughs> Buck Rogers, you know, the original yes. Star Galactica, you know, just like Star Wars was a big one for us. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he loved that. He used to take me to movies all the time. So to have that That's sense cool. of wonder and storytelling, you know, I think I'm like, I just, I think fantasy and sci-fi, you know, and historical fiction gives you more of that, you know, and gives you, yes. a, I think it gives you a different perspective on the world, you know, and it, it makes you see the, the everyday, I think is more special than, you know, if you looked at it from a different lens. So I just, I like that, you know, you're taking those I, things from your dad and putting them in. That's really cool. I love that you brought up the idea of the sense of wonder, because that's really one of, one of my uh, goals as a writer um, and also an educator. That's something you and I have in common. I used to be a science teacher and now I'm a principal. Oh, cool. And um, and I just want to, uh, you know, I, I want my students to be able to have that sense of wonder because everything is handed to them right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you exactly. think about, I mean, I saw Star Wars for the first time on big screen in 1977 with my dad. And, you know, back then there was nothing like it. Yeah. But now that's mainstream. I mean, everything, you know, the our, our our kids are it's it's there that's that's what every 
science fiction fantasy movie looks like yep. nowadays with all yeah. those really amazing special effects. But back then, that was just jaw-dropping, unbelievable, uh, you know, and talk about your sense of wonder. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring back uh, for students in, in in my writing. And that that was kind of one of the secondary ideas behind the Veil Saga, um, is that there is the hidden, there is the unexplained in this world. And, and I tie a lot of that in. So this, when the students are reading it, they're reading real world stuff. And then they're also getting a little taste of the fantasy. But there's also a lot of historical fiction in there too, because I take his, <clears throat> excuse me, I take historical accounts and I I add a little bit of fantasy to them. <laughs> so It's definitely, definitely my favorite thing to do as a history teacher. Like I have a, uh... I have the lost Roman legion and I'm like, so why are they lost? And now like, it turns yes. out somebody found a slip of paper where they're like, Oh, we think it was a clerical error. I'm like, so you lost one of the, <laughs> I, go, I go, so wait a minute. I go the most organized besides the Germans, like the Nazis, the most organized society and military of all time <laughs> just happened to lose their top two or three, you know, at the least, um, you know, most powerful and influential units. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. And so I, I didn't like that. I didn't uh, like that paper that just came out. It came out like two years ago. And they had this piece of paper. And I'm like, they, they're like, oh, they went back to Spain and they just got lost. I said, that's just, I said, I think no. that's ridiculous as a no. story. So my friend goes, well, you should write your own, you know, version of that. And I was really reading a lot of historical fiction. So I'm putting zombies with it. So that's where. Did you did you have <laughs> you read the the Codex Alera series by um by Jim Butcher? Um, actually, no, that one's actually on my list. And then there are a couple. That is that's what the premise is. What happened yeah, to, yeah. The, oh, to, okay. the, to the to the to that the Roman Legion? That's oh, what that's the whole cool. the whole series is based on that. And then you nobody know told me that. I just thought it was Roman Legion <laughs> Mr. Pokemon. So no, no, that's the, the whole idea. I mean, oh, it, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I kind of spoiled it a little bit there. For you, oh no, I mean, no, that, that actually makes me that may actually that's really the whole idea because you. I think it's in, I think it's towards the end of book one where you realize you know because from a world building perspective when you're reading that book and you're like, this is too too much roman on another world that doesn't make yeah. any sense why would a roman you know and then you learn that they that this is this culture developed from that lost roman legion it's so cool oh, it's really cool. yeah i enjoy it i, I enjoyed that series I, I it wasn't as well rated as his um uh his dresden oh. files but yeah, i yeah, really yeah. i i enjoyed it i liked it and and that was one of the main reasons i liked it was that he took that and that question what happened to the roman legion and you know and then, so, I mean, I, I thought about kind of doing that too, but uh, in some way and explaining that in the Vale saga, but then there's also the lost colony of Roanoke too. So I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I might explore that a little bit too. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. The other thing I always tell kids, I'm like, there's so many cool things in history. I'm like, they're like, history is boring. I'm like, so I'll pull out something like that. And I pulled <sighs> out my high school students have pulled out for summer school, I pulled out and go back to like Tepe. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're like, this thing's like 12,500 years old. They're like, we thought you said that we were hunter-gatherers. I said, that's not what I said. I said, that's what <laughs> I said. And I want to just point out, I'm like, we don't know everything, you know? And just, again, that sense of wonder. So cool. I had them, like, the rest of the summer, you know, they were, like, really into the, you know, the mainstream or whatever, the, you know, the standards and stuff. But, you know, just getting them to see that, you know, 
not everything has been discovered, you know. I right. Think. Yeah. We don't exactly. we don't know it all. We don't Yeah, exactly. We... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah. With technology, I think that they think that and we think that. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, because every every but you go online and everybody has an answer. You know, they think they know what they, you know, what really happened or you know. Yep. No, totally. So. Well, I'm really excited for that fifth question. What type of magic system have you created and how did you come up with this idea? Well, so because it takes place on earth and because I had to, I, I wanted to incorporate as much of uh, earth as possible. And I was, I was really agonizing over trying to figure out, okay, I wanted the magic system to be believable. Uh, I wanted it to be almost science-based in a way. Um, so a friend of mine pointed me in the direction of zero point energy. Have you ever heard of that concept? So yeah, it, it's the energy. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. It's that all that untapped energy that's there that's between the molecules and everything. And and um scientists for years have been trying to tap into it. You know, it's that it's that whole idea of the perpetual motion machine, the energy that yeah, never yeah. runs out or everything like that. So I started to do a lot of research on this zero point energy, and then I took the concepts that I've learned in the zero point energy and I adapted that into a magic system. And then I had to explain, well, if that's if the elves and the and the dwarves and the gnomes and all these other enchanted creatures use that as their magic system, why can't we as humans uh, do that? So then I made it, I, I made them, I, I separated humanity and uh, and the enchanted people into two different categories. So there's uh, bioelectrical beings, which is humanity and, and uh, animals and, you know, what we commonly know. And there's biomagical beings. And their 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 bodies run on this on this source of magic, this zero point energy. So they're able to tap into it, use it, and manipulate that that magic or that energy, and use it for what we would consider magic. Oh, that's so that's kind of that was the whole idea behind the magic system. And I so that that took me a while to develop, and I had to develop it on how each of the different races, uh, enchanted races, used the magic in a way, you know, like the the gnomes back in history, they were known for being able to walk through walls or pass through, you know, uh, solid objects, um, as was described by Pericles. And he, um, so I, I incorporate that into their their physiology and their magical abilities. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That. That's cool. it, was, it was, it was fun. It was, I, I enjoyed creating that because, again, when, when people read the Veil Saga, I want them to, to, to have that sense of wonder, but I also want them to be thinking, man, this, this could really yeah, have yeah. happened or this yeah. could be real. I, I, I wanted, I, I wanted people to be able to, to have that, um, that, that awe, that wonder, you know, there that, Oh, that's, that's pretty neat. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this could happen. Yeah. yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, this is what I came over this summer, and I really like asking people this: If you could go on an adventure with one of your characters, who would it be, and why? Oh, that—that's a tough question. Um, and when I was thinking about that question, I thought there's there's one character in there. He's a he's more of an antagonist than a than a protagonist, but um, his name is Thaddeus Wilt, and he is a uh, he's a human magic hunter. So he's he he knows the existence. He's part of this society uh, called the Black Swan that knows the existence of, of the enchanted and, and these magical items. So 
he and his team go all over the world trying to hunt down magical items and magical creatures and find a way to get behind the veil and um he became one of my favorite characters to to write i i i was surprised and it was it was funny because my my editor when he read the the third draft uh of my, or there was the second draft he said i got i got some good news and bad news for you he said thaddeus wilt is by far the best character it's one of the best characters i've ever read uh he he's just awesome and the bad news is Thaddeus Wilt is by far the best character in your book. <laughs> and he's like, the problem with that is your main character is supposed to be the best character in your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have a little bit of work to do. So he said, we need, we need to add a little bit more to make Jeremy more, um, more of the, the, the memorable character. Yeah. Uh, and that was hard because I don't know. I just, I, I enjoyed writing this guy. He's got, he's got this personality that is just, um, uh, he is, he's a deep thinker, but he doesn't let anything bother him. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of like that chess player archetype that, you know, where he's always a step ahead of you, or he's always thinking ahead. Um, and he's just so suave and debonair and, 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 um, there, he just got he has all these different characters so if i went on or qualities so if i was going to go on an adventure i'd want to be with him um just because it would be he'd be fun to talk to he would yeah, be yeah. fun and i and i wouldn't feel too worried about uh um any danger because he's got a whole team of uh, of mercenaries that he has with him oh that's cool <laughs> picture like sean bean from national treasure <laughs> yeah kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i um... anybody know anybody have sean's number for you want to play thaddeus <laughs> well really... what was interesting is when i did the audiobook for this and i hired sean pratt to do the audiobook oh nice he just blew me i mean he did the, the whole book was amazing but when he took on the role of thaddeus wilt he was incredible and we it was funny it was it was awesome that um throughout the process of of him recording he would send me these texts and about how excited he was and about you know little funny little quips here and there and um he told me that um uh that he really it was enjoying uh becoming Thaddeus Wilt <laughs> in the process so then when i heard his his when, when he sent me back the the finished copies and i was listening to the or the proof copies i was listening to him as thaddeus wilt and i texted him back i said dude if netflix calls i'm gonna tell him to cast you as, as thaddeus wilt that's awesome <laughs> it's always great when you can find somebody like that i have one book i'm not gonna say whose it was but like the person was not the right narrator oh yeah i love the book it threw me off I, I i can't listen to the audiobook I found other people where I enjoyed the book, but then the audio book, the narrator did such a good job. It enhanced, you know, the, yes, the reading, I, you know, and I think and that was another thing I agonized trying to find the perfect, the, the, the perfect voice for the Val saga. My initial reaction, I don't know if you've heard of Michael Kramer. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He was somebody I thought, Oh man, I would love to, for him to, to be the narrator, but he, he, he was too, he had too deep of a vo voice and mm. I didn't want the main character, Jeremy, to have this, you know, I'm sure he could have done a great job with it because Michael Kramer can, can do a thousand voices. But uh, I just wanted the, the the tone of the book to have this, this, um, 
this quality of this sense of a your average sort of guy who's caught up in this in this world that he can't even believe is going on and everything and 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 he's a teacher you know of course you know write what you know right yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. the character so i wanted him to have that teacher voice you know sort <laughs> of uh and and i so i started doing some research listening to other authors i, I came across nick padell and i thought he would be really good and then i then i heard sean pratt and i was like that's that's jeremy's voice right there that's awesome yeah that's it was cool. cool well if you had to fight one of your characters which one would you dread the most and why uh, well, I have a, uh, one of the other, uh, I wouldn't say he's the main character, but he's one of the, it's, it's an ensemble. It's epic. It's epic fantasy. You have all these different characters, but um, the main elf in the book, his name is Mercurio. And he is, he's a sword sworn guardian of oh, the, uh, of the elven, uh, uh, of the elven nation. And he is, I mean, he's over a thousand years old, so he's, he's perfected his sword play very well. Um, so he, you know, I would, uh, uh, I would not want to get into a fight with him. And there's some scenes in which in the book where Jeremy is watching this elf fight and he's just in awe of just the, the grace in which he fights and the efficiency and every, you know, uh, so yeah, he would not be somebody I would, I would want to go up against. That's for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> on <Love> that title. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Well, for that last one, do you have any news, updates, promos, current projects, anything like that you can share with us before we head out? Well, I I am working on book two, and I'm hoping to have that out within the next year. Um, but I have this other project that's really cool, and it's near and dear to my heart. And uh, I think you'd appreciate it as a teacher, too. I have this thing called the Shared World Project. And um, what I'm looking for is I want to inspire young writers. I want okay. to f- find young writers to to come you know, to come beside and, and inspire them to write and uh, help them help them through uh, their their write you know their writing slump because a lot of times again we have that inner voice that says you're not good enough to do it you yeah. know don't waste your time and I, so uh, I'm hoping to inspire young writers and um, the challenge that I've given them is that the world of the Vale sagas are very own it's so big there's so many different stories so I am looking for them to come beside you know come with me and come up with these ideas these stories you know uh it could be fairy tale retellings that fit into you know uh like what would what would the true story of snow white and the seven dwarfs be like if if it existed in the world in the world of the Vale saga or anything that they're interested in you know and and help them craft this story um and show them that they they really can they you can write if you got a story on your heart write it you know that type thing um, so that's called the Shared World Project. You can find more of that uh, on my on my website, thevalsaga.com. And um, there's an application in there if you want to be a part of that. And oh, it's cool. an open application. If, you know, if we get a bunch, uh, uh, we might be two, we might do two, um, two books with it. So oh, cool. the idea would be to produce uh, a bunch of uh, anthology series based on the uh, the the writings of these these young writers. And when I say young writers, I don't just mean, you know, teenagers. I mean, anybody who wants, who, who wants to write, but doesn't feel that they, they can, uh, or that they have the skill, um, to do so. And, and they, but they just want to write. Um, of course I do like working with, with, with teenagers and young people as well. Cause I am, 
an educator myself, but it, it, it's open to anybody who wants to be a part of that. Um, and we'll just keep putting out anthologies as long as people are willing to write them. And and uh, uh, that's just one one of the projects that I'm really excited about. That sounds awesome. I will, if you want to, like I said before, send me the link and we'll put it right in the description. Awesome. I just want to remind, you know, our audience, you can find Stephen's books and socials, everything right there in the description, anywhere where you are listening or watching this podcast. You can also go to uh, the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics uh, podcast website. You can find that anywhere you search or um, it's actually in this description too. And you can actually find all of our information on all of our authors, such as Stephen there. Um, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on. It was a real pleasure. You gave me a lot to think about before my writing <laughs> session today. Um, one of two. So I'm glad that I got to talk to you beforehand. Uh, if there's anything, you know, we can do between now and when this podcast comes, you know, podcast comes out, just let me know, you know, hit me up on social media, email me and, you know, we'll help you out as best as we can. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, no it's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So that's, yeah, I really appreciate your time today and hope you guys have a good rest of the Saturday and enjoy the rest of the day, my friend. You too. See you later.